Missouri just went through one of the wildest election nights in recent history, and Joe Manis and I have all the data that's fit for a podcast. That's coming up next on another edition of Politically Speaking. Nine, eight, seven, six, six five, five, four, four, three, two, one. Uh, I think that is fair yes, to I say. I say hands to kiss and babies to shake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think my record speaks for itself. That's a really good question. We better toughen up, we better smarten up, and we better stop with this political correctness because it's driving us down the tube. That was GOP presidential hopeful Donald Trump at a rally last week in St. Louis. Hello. Welcome to the Politically Speaking podcast. I'm your very tired host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio today is... Is his tired and peaked colleague, Joe Manis. Have you had a lot of Diet Coke today? Yes, I've a ha- lot of Diet Lime Coke. I've had... So look out. I haven't had Coke in over a year, as many of my Twitter followers <laughs> know. So we, the reason we're tired, and I think we've done this type of show like four or five times at this point, is we just stayed up for one of the wildest and craziest election results nights, I think, ever that I've experienced in my 10 years of covering Missouri politics. It's not the wildest I've seen, but it's maybe in the top five or six. Okay, that's fair. But basically what we're talking about is the, the presidential primaries. Both the Republican and the Democratic primaries ended up being decided by less than 2,000 votes. Uh, Donald Trump ended up beating Ted Cruz, I think, by 1,500, No, a little under 1,800 votes. Yeah, and then uh, Hillary Clinton beat Bernie Sanders by about 1,500 votes. Yes, just a little over 1,500. So but before we talk about the results, Joe, you were really itching to kind yes. of clamp down on the possibility of a recount Okay, here. I don't want to insult any of my fellow reporters, but some uh, reporters who are not aware understanding Missouri law kind of went a half cock Tuesday night and talked about recounts. A, recount, the chances of a recount happening in Missouri are very, very remote in a presidential primary. And here is why. First, under Missouri law, it's four weeks, four weeks, folks, before a candidate can request a recount. There's two weeks for the locals to review their election totals from election night. Then there's two weeks for the Secretary of State's office to review everything and officially certify the results. So we're talking April 15th at the earliest before any candidate could request a recount. For both parties, they will have started the delegate selection process before then. The Democrats start on April 7th. The Republicans start on April 9th. B, because both parties are awarding their delegates proportionally, There's very few that are at stake already, Um, even with the current results. Democrats Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders will likely split the committed delegates in half or really close to it. And and just to kind of interject, even if Bernie Sanders won in a recount, which is I'd say is unlikely because I've never seen a a result change statewide when it's separated by a thousand votes, it wouldn't change the outcome of the delegates that much at all. No, no. What I'm told is maybe one, maybe one. Now, on the Republican side, I just left the phone a little bit ago with state Republican Party chairman John Hancock. Hancock tells me that a recount would affect no more than 10 of the state GOP's 52 delegates that were at stake in 
Tuesday's primary. And, so, and, again, that's 10. And right before we went on the air or on the podcast or whatever we're doing right now, the Missouri ranting. G- ranting. <laughs> the Missouri GOP released a tentative allocation of delegates. Donald Trump got 37 because he won 12 from the statewide win and won in the first district, which is St. Louis City and St. Louis County. The second district, which is St. Louis County, Jefferson County, St. Charles County. The third district, which is that strange, like bird-like district that includes parts of St. Charles County. The 6th and the 8th, which are both in rural Missouri. And Ted Cruz actually won in the 4th district, which includes parts of central and western Missouri. The 5th district, which in, which is uh, Kansas City. And the 7th, which is southwest Missouri. So, right. again, even if Ted Cruz uh, came out ahead in some of the districts, and maybe he comes out ahead statewide, it, it, the stakes are pretty low there. Yeah, well, that, and, and frankly, that may be why... Ted Cruz's operation, which is led by Missouri's own Jeff Rowe from the Kansas City area and who knows Missouri law, they have said squat so far about a recount. I'm I'm not saying that they might not in the future, but unless it turns out that he and Trump are looking at just a handful of delegates splitting them when they get close to the convention, it's probably not going to happen. And uh I, I, I think the Sanders camp, where they were talking about it, I think it's because they didn't understand Missouri law. Because, again, it's going to be a month before he could even formally put a request in. And if he's already getting half them anyway, and it maybe affects maybe one, I mean, that's what the state Democratic Party told me. So it's it seems like all of this is a lot of, you know, smoke and mirrors and Sound and fury. And uh, fireworks. Confetti, obviously. Over from just... From- just for nothing. Yeah. So I just want to put that to bed for our listeners. I could be wrong, but I bet almost anything there won't be a recount. Would you bet a Trump stake on it? <laughs> Let's not even go there. Although I'll tell you, I would. I don't burn mine. Apparently, according to his butler, he likes them. Really, really, really well done. Well, but before we insult Donald Trump some more, let's kind of talk about the results a little bit. We'll start on the Republican side. And, you know, th- there's a lot of eerie parallels, actually, to 2008 here. 2008, it was basically a three-way race between John McCain, Mike Huckabee, and Mitt Romney. And the vote totals were a lot closer between the three. The third candidate, Mitt Romney, only lost to John McCain by four percentage points. And in this case, there were four candidates, and Marco Rubio and John Kasich were non-factors. The only factors they had were basically taking votes away from Ted Cruz, who came in second. And the reason why there's some eerie parallels here is that there were very few prominent Republicans that ended up endorsing Trump. I think literally the most prominent people were Ed Martin and Phyllis Shafley out of Shafley. And, you know, you had a lot of prominent conservatives who endorsed Ted Cruz and you had a lot of more establishment minty Republicans endorse Marco Rubio. Yeah. And a bunch of them had come over after it was clear that Jeb Bush uh, was folding about a month ago, because it used to be that former Governor uh, Kit Bond and Ann Wagner and a bunch of them were with Jeb Bush. Then then Bond switched to Rubio a couple weeks ago. Wagner was lobbied heavily by uh, Rubio, but ended up last weekend going oh. with Cruz. And that, that, I guess that turned out to be a reasonably good decision if, if, you, if you get any points for endorsements. Obviously, Ed Martin gets all the points because he guessed the right one. But Rubio 
came in a pretty distant fourth in most of Missouri's counties behind Kasich. And it kind of just shows that endorsements really don't necessarily mean the world in many instances. Well, and by the way, there's a split in the Eagle Forum ranks because some of the officials had put out an email a couple times, you know, in favor of Cruz and blasting Trump as being sort of not really a conservative. So mm-hmm. there may be a little turmoil going on in the Eagle Forum. Well, we, we could probably spend a whole show on that, but let's 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 kind of pass on it. I think what made the Trump victory here, or apparent victory, so interesting is it came on the heels of this very raucous appearance in St. Louis that was a prelude to Trump's cancellation in Chicago. And I, I want to play a clip now from uh, Donald Trump actually going back and forth with some of the protesters in St. Louis and maybe talk about whatever impact that had or didn't have. And I heard this was going to happen. And they said, Mr. Trump, would you like to cancel? I said, absolutely not. These are not good people. These are not the people that made our country great, but we're going to make it great again. But these are not the people. These are the people that are destroying our country. I think this has become a topic of conversation nationally about how Trump has dealt with some of these protesters. And as somebody who was there and was kind of watching a lot of the coverage of the Chicago cancellation, I was a little bit disturbed how, I guess, the the national media was kind of just not really pressing hard enough maybe on Trump about his culpability or responsibility for bringing this environment up. Well, and then the Chicago police came out and said that they that that Trump never they contended that Trump never talked to them about cancellation or anything and that they had no role in his decision to cancel. So I don't know what that means. I'm just saying because I I think this is important because there were some prognosticators who, who, who felt like these protests actually were helping Trump and were maybe solidifying his support and. We're, we're maybe going to make him win everywhere. And he didn't win in Ohio. He didn't really win by that much in North Carolina. He obviously won by a lot in Florida. So I'm not really sure what impact this has. Well, it gave him a lot of free press. It certainly gave him a lot of free press. And I, I just want to say on the outset that if you go into somebody's event and you disrupt it and you start protesting, I mean, there's almost a 100% chance you're going to get thrown out. And if you if you you know, get physical with a police officer, you're probably going to get arrested. I think that that goes without saying. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that at a number of rallies over the years, Clinton rallies, Obama rallies. I've been there. I've seen protests. But have you ever seen a candidate use that type of language to basically rile up the crowd around the protesters? No. It seems like that made the situation a lot more tense and chaotic. I mean, I know that's kind of an observation that I had, but I, I think that's not being I think that's not really computing with a lot of people. Well, one of Trump's attractions and I'm being uh, uh, fair here. One of his attractions is the fact that he's really emotional on the stump and he really he comes across as being very authentic. Whether one agrees or disagrees with him, he comes across as being very authentic. And at a time when there's so many politicians who are accused of being fake or using people, or manipulating people, or not really saying what they mean, or being like pretenders. I think that's one of Trump's attractions, is that when you talk to people who support him, many of them say, well, he seems so honest, he means what he says. 
And I think so when he talks like that and shouts and stuff, you've got some people in the audience or who are watching us on TV saying, you know, that's how I would react. I mean, so I think he comes across to many of his supporters as being the kind of person they'd like to have a beer with. And, and, and that yeah. often is the person they vote for. And interestingly, when you look at the map of, of, of the Republican primary results, Trump won most of outstate Missouri and most of the St. Louis area. He, he didn't end up winning in Kansas City, which is Jeff Rowe's home base. And he actually lost pretty handily in southwest Missouri, which is a big GOP stronghold, which is probably why the results were so close. But what, this, is, this is a question I think I asked Dave Robertson yesterday. If you, if you think about candidates that would traditionally appeal to outstate Missouri voters, and we'll get to Bernie Sanders in a minute, I don't think a brash New York multi-billionaire who previously supported abortion rights and gun control really comes to mind as somebody who would win those counties yet. He won. Right. Is it because is it of his style, you think? Well, a little bit, but I think also, um, as I mentioned before, I mean, both Trump and Cruz have really strong followings for different reasons. And I think that um, uh, Cruz, of course, he's from an evangelical family. He has uh, He's long had a lot of support from evangelicals, and I think that's um, something that helped him as he was appealing for— um, support. And I think that's why in some places he did so well. Yeah. And I want to talk about Cruz for a second, because one of the things that I thought was a strategic error on Trump's part, it obviously got a lot of attention because we're talking about it almost a week later and all the national media people talked about his his, his rallies in big cities. But he went to St. Louis City and Kansas City, where arguably the fewest Republicans live. Whereas Ted Cruz held pretty sizable rallies in Western St. Louis County, Cape Girardeau, and Springfield. And that's because, I believe, it's because his campaign manager is Roe, and Roe knows where those core votes are. Now let's listen to a clip here of, of Cruz talking to probably several thousand Republican voters who would probably be pretty energized to go out and vote um, you know, in, the, in, in a presidential election. It is a dead heat. It is effectively a tie, which means what I want to ask is I want to ask every one of you on Tuesday, come out and vote for me 10 times. Now look, we're not Democrats. I'm not suggesting voter fraud. But if every one of you gets nine other people to come out and vote on Tuesday, you will have voted 10 times. Now, I, I played that clip not to antagonize Democrats, but just to kind of give a sense of what his message to a lot of Republicans was. I, I don't know if we'll have the breakdown of St. Louis County for a while, but it was extremely close in St. Louis County. And he won Greene County and Cape Girardeau County, which gives me a sense that it was definitely not a strategic mistake for him to go to those places. What do you think? Well, I think, well, again, as I said before, I think it showed knowledge. I was surprised, too, that Trump chose, and he's done this in other states, where he's chose downtown locations. Now, I've heard some uh, talk that, well, it's because he was impressed by the Peabody, and that's why he wanted to have it there. Now, the Peabody is a fabulous, fabulous venue. I want to emphasize I've gone there for plays, and they're, it's beautiful. But for a political rally, I was surprised that he didn't do something 
like have it at the St. Charles Family Arena, which is at least in a hotbed of Republican territory. Which Bernie Sanders went to. Yeah. And and Bernie Sanders won St. Charles, um, by the way, but continue. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that Trump hasn't chosen more uh, venues right in the smack dab in the middle of his base. Now, he would say, well, look, I won the state anyway. I won these other states. I don't need to change. And maybe he's right. I mean, I'm just a you know reporter. But I was surprised that he chose that because while he did have a huge crowd downtown, you just wonder he might have had a bigger crowd if he'd had it where his parking was easier and, and his base, it would have made it easier for his base to get to it. Now, before we go to the Democratic side, it would be remiss not to talk about one of the more humorous things that I found from the results. And that is when we're talking about a 1,600-ish vote margin, I mean, we, we can't say what caused, you know, 1,600 more people to vote for Trump over Cruz. But one thing that I noticed when looking at the results was that almost like seven or 8,000 people voted for Ben Carson, even though Ben Carson had withdrew from the race. And there were also several thousand people who voted for Jeb Bush, or Rand Paul are most strangely uncommitted. I think there were about 3,000 that were for uncommitted. And somebody pointed out on Twitter that since Ben Carson endorsed Donald Trump, if those 8,000 went to other candidates, I would say the majority of them would have gone to Donald Trump and it wouldn't have mattered. But you take another scenario that 1,700 people would have voted for Cruz instead of voting for Ben Carson, the result would have been different. And I actually have a clip now from Dave Robertson of UMSL kind of remarking on this uh, strange uh, situation last night. Carson just baffles me. The The ability of Carson to get a few votes in these primaries, even though he's pulled out of the race, indicates that he has a kind of a loyalty that, that's pretty hard to explain. But he may have been the spoiler in this race. Do you think um, keeping those candidates on the ballot had any impact, or do you think that the people that would have voted for those candidates may have just not voted at all or may have just voted for Trump? Well, I think the fact that they didn't vote for Trump means they weren't going to vote for Trump. So I personally think that either they would have voted for somebody else, not Trump, so they could have been, they this could have been Cruz's people in, in the end, or they may not have voted at all. Because Crump was there on the ballot, and so I think, or maybe some cases, people just want to cast their vote for who they like, knowing that the person's out, just because they just want to show that this person did have some support. And some of them may have been absentees, although I'm not really sure what the window for the absentees are. So well, the 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 window ended uh, actually five o'clock Monday. Okay. So. It, it, it depends if those were cast early on, but even then, uh, some of those votes would have been cast later. But my point being is I don't think there were necessarily Trump votes because they would have voted for Trump. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the Democratic side, which was also a very exciting contest. Almost eight years after narrowly losing to Barack Obama in Missouri, it was almost a reversal for right. Hillary Clinton, where she kind of came from behind and beat Bernie Sanders at the very last minute. Joe, what do you make of the results there? Because, again, the, the delegates are going to be split basically evenly, but it has to be a nice psychological boost given that she, if if, if the, these results hold, which they likely will, she'll have won every state yesterday. Yeah, and I think that was her main aim. It was to get bragging rights because of the five states, I think Missouri actually had 
a smaller, well, smaller share of Democratic delegates than some of the other states. But again, um, this is almost a replay of 2008, but in reverse. In 2008, during the vote counting, um, Hillary Clinton led most of the night. In fact, some national news outlets who didn't pay attention to where the votes were coming from actually declared that Hillary had been the winner. And that night, uh, the uh, chairman of the St. Louis County Election Board, who at the time was John Deal, who later became speaker and is now no longer. And, and was on our podcast four times, and you never want to be on our but podcast four times. I will always uh, respect Deal as far as this issue, because he called me on election night. I worked for the Post-Dispatch and said, do not uh, call it for Clinton because we are still counting votes from the first congressional district which is uh, North St. Louis County and central parts of central St. Louis County. And he said they're overwhelmingly for Obama. And he said, I'm pretty sure he's going to catch her. And Deal ended up being right. So St. Louis County ended up providing the margin that nudged Obama over um, Hillary Clinton in the 2008 Democratic primary. Okay, here we are. Eight years later, the reverse happens. A similar coalition with most African-American voters uh, going for Hillary Clinton that the turnout was less overall in the Democratic primary than in 2008, and that's causing some discussions. Well, it was a different map than 2008. Correct. Because Obama only won, I think, six or seven counties in Missouri. The ones that come to mind are Nottoway County, Boone County, Jackson County, St. Louis County, St. Louis City, Kansas City, which is not a county, but it's a city. And I think that there was maybe one other one that I, that escapes me at the moment. But but, you, the, but, yeah, but, but the point is, in, in, in the Democratic primaries especially, St. Louis and St. Louis County in particular have become sort of the uh, kingmakers, so to speak. They yeah. often determine who won. So once again, it was St. Louis County because uh, they had like about 17 percent of their vote that was uncount- that it took them a long time to count. And so during that hour or so, you could see the margin narrowing a little bit. Uh, between Clinton and Sanders, who was then in the lead. But when the cities finally got their uh, vote tallies straightened out, because there was some confusion, and then the last of St. Louis County came in, whomp, all of a sudden it flipped and um, Clinton won. So it was very, very similar in reverse to what happened in 2008, only this time she was the victor. And again, if it's like 2008 at the state convention, it ended up that Obama and Clinton got the same number of committed delegates. And just so our listeners understand, the Democrats have a certain share of, like, superdelegates or people who are uncommitted and they can pick whoever they want because they're mainly big shots. So those aren't um, accounted for here. We're talking about the committed delegates that were at stake on Tuesday. And they're, from what I understand... Uh, it's going to be 50-50, now, maybe one difference on one side I, I want to talk about Clinton's performance here because unlike 2008, 22008, the, the Democratic Party was basically split down the middle yes. as far as like who was endorsing right. who was endorsing Obama and who was endorsing Clinton. It was lopsided for Clinton this time. Pretty much every major and minor Democratic politician and organization, organized labor, you know, the African-American community – were for Clinton. You did have some groups and some politicians endorse Sanders. Most notably in St. Louis, you had Maria Chappelle Nadal, Janice Monticello, Megan Green, Christine Ingracia, 
who were Sanders supporters, also Clem Smith as well. But despite all of that, Clinton did fairly poorly in outstate Missouri compared to Bernie Sanders. Um, Sanders won a lot of suburban counties like St. Charles. And I even was looking at the ward-by-ward numbers in St. Louis. Sanders won the 16th ward where I live, which is typically not seen as a place that's friendly to, you know, democratic socialists. And he, he won most of the South Side as well. I actually ran into former Governor Bob Holden at Hillary Clinton's victory party in St. Louis, and I asked him, since he's run statewide a number of times, why it shouldn't have been a slam dunk for, for Clinton, given all of her geographical and organizational advantages. 2008, Hillary swept out state Missouri. Now that she has a newfound strength among African-American voters, why should the race in Missouri even be close at this point? Well, Missouri's changed a lot in the last few years. We don't nearly reflect uh, the national uh, population as we once did. Uh, and that's, that's the reason that Democrats are having a more difficult time to get elected here in Missouri, both at the local level and at the state level. Now, there are other theories at play that you know, maybe rural Missouri was more inclined to vote for a male candidate as opposed to a female candidate. You could also make an argument, and I'm, I think that there were several people on Twitter that pointed out that maybe the reason Clinton did well in 2008 in outstate Missouri is outstate Missouri may have been skittish to vote for an African-American candidate. I'm, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but Joe has covered this for years. It's yeah. just a reality of the situation. But what do you make of the governor's comments, and why do you think Clinton didn't do as well in Missouri as maybe people expected her to. Well, I talked to Sanders uh, Tuesday morning, and I think he, he kind of, I kind of agreed with him. He contended that if, that, he, that he's doing so well in outstate Missouri because it, there's various issues, but the key one, trade. Because um, used to be rural Missouri had, used to have a number of small factories, a lot of shoes used to be made in outstate Missouri, uh, and then, of course, like in the St. Louis area, we used to have the big Chrysler plant. A lot of people who lost their jobs or who know people who've lost their jobs over the last 15 or 20 years, a lot of them blame NAFTA, which was the North American Free Trade Agreement, which was put in place during Bill Clinton's tenure. And while some had contended it was going to create jobs, many of the critics claimed that it actually helped strip jobs out and sent them to China and Mexico. Now, I'm not saying it's true or not. I'm just saying that the critics contend that that was their perception. And so you've got many people. I saw this at the Sanders rally. I was at Clinton's rally on Saturday, and there were union leaders there. And there were some union rank and file there as well. Interestingly, none of those rank and file would, would talk to me. They said I had to talk to their leaders. On Sunday, I ran into union rank and file, and they who were at the Sanders rally, and they were for Sanders, and they all mentioned the same thing, trade and and what they viewed as income inequality. And so it surprised me because other than college kids, I was seeing some of these middle-aged people, and that's what they were. Many of them who I talked to were union people. So Sanders is convinced, and he may be right, that you had a number of people in outstate Missouri and in particular who remember the good old days and uh, who are not Republicans, but they either blame the Clintons for what happened or that they just feel that Clinton is not, re- is not, is paying lip service and is not really committed 
to doing what's necessary to challenge some of these trade deals? Well, the fact remains, though, as I kind of alluded to on the outset, that Sanders lost Florida pretty handily. He lost Ohio. He lost North Carolina. He lost Illinois. And so Clinton has a pretty large lead when it comes to the delegates. And right. You, and you asked Sanders when you were interviewing him kind of where he goes from here regardless of the results. This is what he had to say about that. But we're going to Arizona next week, and that's a big state. I mean, New York State is yet to vote. Uh, California, Oregon, Washington State, yet to vote. So every state is important, and it's just a question of accumulating delegates. I'm very proud that we have already won nine states uh, in this process, eight of them with double-digit victories. Uh, And I think we got a real path to victory because I think a lot of the states that are coming up in the next week and months are states that we should do very well in. What do you think of that comment now, given the results of last night? Well, he is banking. He was very upfront in that interview. He realized that he'd have trouble in the South. And I think some say that while many of the states ahead have smaller minority populations, and so he thinks um, he'll do better there. So we'll see. I think, though, he was really hoping to have a closer finish in Ohio or possibly take Ohio because he really had campaigned strongly there and here. And even though the result was close here, the fact that he appears to have lost to Missouri, but in particular that he lost Ohio by double digits, I think it he, his path forward in these other states, some of the people in those other states may not be as friendly as he thinks because nothing helps a candidate like a feeling of momentum. You've got some people who vote because they just want to be with the winner, and that's true on both sides. And so while your true believers don't care, they're with you because of the issues. I mean, look at there Rubio. There are some people who yeah, may at, not go with them. Look at Rubio here, for example. Right. Again, Rubio had his super PAC was airing ads here, and he again, he had institutional support that may have, you know, gotten some more informed Republicans who like and know the people that endorsed him to you know, come to his side. And I think with all the coverage of Rubio flailing in Florida, I think that basically the bottom fell out in places like Missouri. And I think that people voted for the more viable candidates, which were in this case, Trump or Cruz, and to some extent Kasich, but not really to any meaningful amount. So that that is kind of an important point about momentum. Um, so the last question I want to ask or the last topic I want to ask is, what do you think these results mean for November in Missouri? Because, you know, typically in the last few election cycles, I guess the last last election cycle, Missouri wasn't seen as a targeted state. There's kind of an assumption that the Republicans are going to take Missouri. But this has been a strange presidential year. What do you think these results mean for the next few months? Well, a couple of things that people are going to be focusing on. A, the Republican turnout overall, a lot more people took a Republican ballot on Tuesday than took a Democratic ballot. The state GOP is already making hay over that. But as some Democrats have pointed out, there may be a number of factors and they may not translate into November. But it is something that Democrats should be concerned about because one of the things that killed them in 2010 and 2014 in the midterms was the lack of enthusiasm among the base. And Sanders did energize a lot of young people and, again, um, some other uh, workers who were not Republicans, but they obviously did not want to be with Hillary. 
And so the issue is, will they come out for Hillary or just not vote or switch to Trump if Trump's the nominee? Now, one of the heartening things for her might be when I was at the um, Sanders rally on Sunday, I asked a number of these young people. I got a lot of quotes and I asked them, "Okay, who's your second choice if Sanders doesn't get the nomination? Every one of them said Clinton because they hate Donald Trump. So there could be the scenario where you have a lot of young people coming out, not because they want to vote for her, but against Trump. And then you've got some of the Republicans who took these other ballots. The Cruz people will not support her. Forget that. But there may be some mainstream uh, Republicans and established Republicans and moderate women Republicans who are believed to have cast a lot of votes for Claire McCaskill in 2012, who may vote for Clinton in 2016. They may not admit it publicly, but they may do it if Trump is the nominee. Well, that's the thing, because Trump only got, I think, what, 41% of the vote, and and Cruz got about 41% of the vote. So that means that almost 59% of the Republicans on the ballot voted for somebody other than Trump. And, yeah, I I would hazard to guess that a majority of that non-Trump vote will probably end up voting for the Republican nominee, whoever it is. But especially if it's Trump, given how a lot of Republicans are repelled by him pretty strongly. Establishment Republicans, um, yes. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, A, some of them you know, left the presidential ballot blank, didn't vote at all, which would hurt down ballot races, or possibly just voted for Clinton because they're worried about whatever the Trump presidency would would bring. And I'm, I'm kind of just paraphrasing what they're saying. I don't know what a Trump presidency would bring besides, you know, a Trump steaks for everybody <laughs> and some Trump vodka to, to wash it all down. But that's for another show and for another day. But if you look at the 2012 election results, one thing that I remember is that 150,000 voters in Missouri voted for Mitt Romney and voted for Claire McCaskill. Yeah, yeah. So you can see where some people may be either splitting their votes or they're not adverse to voting for the other side. Yeah, and this is kind of a final thought that I've heard two scenarios about how a Donald Trump presidential nomination could affect down ballot in Missouri. One, it could just sink everybody because his unfavorability ratings are are pretty high, even though he— seems like he's in a good place to get the nomination. And that could hurt people like Roy Blunt, whoever the gubernatorial nominee is, people running for down-ballot statewide offices and state legislative offices. The other scenario that's been put forward that even if Trump doesn't catch fire, that Republicans, you know, still vote for all the other Republicans, and he's almost a non-factor. Well, one of the interesting things now is uh, 10 years ago— uh, they got rid of straight ticket voting. So a person can't come in and just punch for all the Republicans or punch for all the Democrats and walk out. So they have to go through each each thing. And I think that that has uh, hurt for both parties. The coattail effect makes it uh, not that there isn't one, but that it's, I think, curbed it a little bit. So I'm very curious about that 
because of the very thing. Trump elicits strong emotions in people, but so does Hillary Clinton. Absolutely. So it's going to be very fascinating the next few months. Absolutely. And we'll be following that along with all the other crazy races that we're going to be covering. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. I'm on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Joe is on Twitter at... Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And we don't have a guest today, so follow STL Public Radio on Twitter. Until next time, so long. Right. You could love-